Welcome to the Take the Points College Football Podcast. We've got a lot of college football games to talk about. But first, very importantly, the tragic passing of Dick Butkus. What do you want to say about old Dick? 80 years old and played football way back then. It, it's amazing that any of those guys made it to 80. Um, he did not true, He uh, did not catch the energy. No, well... If he did catch the energy, he was able to play through it. Um, yeah, uh, an absolute warrior and hilarious guy on social media at an old age, which uh, shows you how sharp the guy's brain was. And obviously, you know, um, I mean, obviously athletic ability is a big part of playing sports, but you could tell that he was a smart guy, knew how to for sure read offenses and make the right adjustments if he's, you know, making hilarious comebacks online at like age 78 and like roasting 22 year olds means you're a smart guy. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace. Um, one of the greats. He, um, I, I sent this to you guys, but I want to read it cause I love it. Somebody, you know, a young kid wrote to him, you killed my grandpa on the football field. And then Dick Buck, his response probably deserved it. So classic. That's the sense of humor, and he probably did kill this guy. Um, all right, Dan, this one's very, very breaking. So there was breaking news earlier today, and now there's uh, breaking news as of like five minutes ago. Phil Jerkovich, no longer the starting quarterback at Pittsburgh, as predicted on this show several weeks ago, Christian Velu will step in and start. But I don't know if you've seen this very breaking news. Phil Jerkovich will now switch positions and play tight end. So he's done, done. Yeah. This is just more, uh, more ammo for the Nard dog, Michigan state application. That, 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 that's what this is. This is look, I can take a quarterback and make him into successful tight end. Therefore I can turn around your franchise or whatever your university. Um, Phil, not good. BC curse. Um, he played with um, Zay Flowers, and I believe he also played with uh, AJ Dillon as well, who are both in the NFL. So clearly he was the weak link. Um, good luck at tight end. I'm sure that will go really smooth. All right. Uh, I'm sorry to my other co-host, Ryan Spillett, but I got to keep it with Dan one more time. You attended the Washington University of Arizona game. I need a recap of that game and the experience. Sure. Quick recap. Uh, Washington historically plays terrible in the state of Arizona. Last year, they lost to Arizona State. It was the last game that they've lost. Uh, very vanilla game plan. Uh, Jalen McMillan was out again. Uh, he has a bruised knee, and they opted just to rest him because they have a bye week this week. And then Oregon coming up. Um Arizona dropped uh, a lot of players um, in coverage, and Penix just picked them apart underneath. It was the perfect game plan just to show Oregon nothing on tape whatsoever. I was very proud of them. The experience was great. Uh, it was a full sold-out crowd, by the way. It was parents' weekend in Arizona. Um, they had fireworks, the marching band. There was people, you know, tailgating outside. It was a beautiful day. It was like, uh, you know, it was a, it was a early evening kick. So the sun was going down and the temperatures was in the mid eighties for Arizona. That is really like the ideal temperature. Um, I thought they did an awesome job. Um, the crowd pretty, pretty much idiotic, uh, just like every level of football. Like there was a play where Washington had like a 45 yard pass off a, um, screen but they threw a flag at the last second way downfield and they're like holding, you know, so if it's a 45 yard play, they just kind of bring it back a few yards because it's, it's a spot foul. So the ref goes to the microphone and says holding offense, 10 yard penalty first down. And this guy three rows behind me fucking loses his mind. First down. It's a hold. How can it be first down in 10? It doesn't make sense. That's impossible. This makes no sense. What, what, Little John says, what, what? And then I was like, oh, Jesus oh, no. Christ. So he went from misinterpreting the rule to a Little John reference. Uh, 
this is why I, I rarely go to sporting events. I, I can't take it anymore. But um, no, it was really fun. And uh, I left like mid third quarter. Washington was up 17. The game was never in doubt. Washington was always up uh, 14 to 21. And the Arizona scored a late one to cut it to seven with like 30 seconds left. But it was a perfect game for Washington. Fun to see everyone in person. And uh, super psyched for the Washington-Oregon game next week. Ryan, your turn. Tell us about week five, what games you watched, what you learned, and uh, takeaways we can bring forward as we look at week six. Yeah, um, nothing real too crazy week five. Uh, we kind of called a lot of these games pretty, pretty head on. Texas took care of business, but it was kind of a bummer that Daniels got hurt in pregame, so that was kind of a letdown. Penn State kind of started slow, took care of business. It was USC Colorado. That was kind of the story of last week. That game was fun. USC's defense is as suspect as we thought. You know, nothing else really kind of stood out to me. Ole Miss LSU was actually maybe more fun than the yeah. than the USC Colorado game. That game was super, super fun. That was the best game I watched all weekend. Um, I think that was the yeah, most exciting else. game, but uh, not very consequential when you look at it. Yeah, and and Butch survived getting left in Amherst, Massachusetts. UMass, <laughs> they're playing Penn State next week at Penn State, so no no line is too high. But Butch beat them by thirty. I mean, UMass now officially the worst program in America after that. Yes, Tom, but will their coach make a certain list? <laughs> we will see. We will see. Very few can make the tarmac report. There's always more worthy candidates than uh, than the five spots on the list. So we've got the tarmac report, Ryan's five worst coaches. We've got Dan's your opinion is wrong game. Another great segment. I say we get into it, gentlemen. Dan, I'll, I'll say, guys, I told you before we started, but I had my big event um, this is the big thing I work for the whole year and it occupies all my time, especially in the last week. I'm going in blind this week. I don't know any of the lines. This is the first time in take the points history in 10 years. I, a lot of times I'm not going to say I prepare every week, but I at least know the lines and have a few thoughts this week. I haven't even looked at anything the whole week. So feel free to use me as a, you know, a guessing game or a sounding board as somebody who knows nothing this week. I believe if we look at your history of of hardly looking at the lines, uh, probably this better. Is the time that you yeah uh, normally shine. So I feel pretty good about your prospects here. Yeah, I'm not saying um, that I'm better when I prepare, but I'm just I'm just noting that. So if you want me it. to guess any lines, for example, you find a line that's way off, and you want me to guess what what I think it is. You know, this is a fun week to play that kind of game. Sounds good, man. Okay, let's get it going then. Uh, Friday night, Nebraska at Illinois. Illinois minus three and a half. Total 42 and a half. This is the your opinion is wrong game right off the cuff. We can't even make it to Saturday, guys. We're I thought starting you were gonna, right uh, here. I thought you were going to throw this one right to me, which. No, Tom. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? In fact, I will. Illinois minus three and a half. Total 42. Which. Two sides do you like, Tom? Sure. Well, you know, I am the big 10 expert. Um, this is a, a tough one, but, you know, I do have a solid pick. Nebraska's just been so unbelievably bad coming off a horrible stomping from Michigan. Illinois hasn't been great, but they're at home. They got better talent, which is weird to say, than Nebraska. And, uh, well, we don't know about the coaching. Rule is new. We'll give them a chance, but. At this very moment, it seems like they're a better run organization and better coached. So Illinois is the pick, and there's no way these teams are combining for more than 27 points. So Illinois and an under, I think it's pretty easy. Illinois and the under, Tom. No. Both, both picks are incorrect. Okay, first of all, due to the breaking news, uh, the head coach of Illinois, who you absolutely love, will be eating hot dogs and drinking whiskey non-stop and will be in no, no shape to coach this game uh, as a proud uh, coach in the state of Illinois. Uh, in the under, Tom, the under, 
Uh, Illinois gave up 41 to Purdue last week in a blowout. No, sorry, 44 to Purdue in a loss. Gave up 30 to Penn State, 34 to Kansas, and 28 to Toledo. That defense is terrible. This total is low, and therefore, neither pick is coming in. Ryan, which picks do you like for this game? Guys, I can't believe that I heard Tom say that a team coached by Brett Bylama was the better coached team. Yep. Did that did that, did that really happen? This is rock bottom in the Big Ten. And for that reason, I have to take Nebraska in a close, low-scoring game. That's the play here. Rule has looked brutal, but don't worry. Okay, no, so scratch that. Scratch that. Rule's gonna blow them out. Let's go. Way over Nebraska. Bilema, you stink, and I will see you on the tarmac soon, but not quite yet. All right, Ryan. Nebraska and the over, neither are correct. First of all, you would think that Nebraska is in good shape because they benched Jeff Sims, but unfortunately, they have a new quarterback. This quarterback, I'm pretty sure his name's Heinrich Himmler, which is just one shade away from Adolf, and which I'm pretty sure that he's a Nazi. Because if you name your child Heinrich in 20, or what, 1998 or something like that, no, probably 2001, he's a Nazi. So first rule of college football gambling is never bet uh, against Alabama. Second rule is never bet on a Nazi. And since they have one, uh, that's the wrong pick. And you like the over? Uh, well, incorrect. Um, Illinois has scored, let's see, 19, 13. Yeah, not great. Nebraska, let's take a look here. 10, 14, 7 against Power 5 teams. So low-scoring game. This is just an awful Friday. This is the worst Friday game we could get, by the way. It, like, I'm, yeah. I was excited. Like, I'm actually off work tomorrow. Can watch a little college football. Nope, not watching this game. So this is uh, this is the this is the college football equivalent of the Thursday night football game. Yeah, this is bad for me, and I'm the Big Ten guy here. I mean, you guys hate this Big Ten West, like low level Big Ten. I kind of uh, sadistically like it, and even I can't do this. Let me. Say, I, I want to say two things about this. First off, I just googled Heinrich Harburg because uh, you know. Most likely named after a Nazi, but I was trying to do the math in my head to see if he potentially was named after the Interpol song Heinrich Maneuver, but he would just be, a, <laughs> he would be a few years too old, thus stripping away any chance that he might actually be super cool and have awesome parents, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, secondly, this I think is the best your opinion wrong, is wrong game that you've ever chosen. And the reason why is because when I made my pick, Ryan made this like disgusted face and like audibly was like, what the, like, no, like you were actually disgusted when you made your pick. I was disgusted too. So even though usually we just kind of set this up and we have fun with it and make like joke predictions so that Dan can do the bit. But this time we were both legitimately disgusted by each other's picks. That's how, you know, it's, there's truly no correct answer. An absolute terrible game. There is no winners in this game. All losers, all players, all coaches, anyone watching, the fans, the conference. It's just it's total loserville. So well, uh, do not watch. In honor of one, in honor of Heinrich, after the game, I'd like to uh, uh, export all of these people to Argentina. One one quick question. Even though it's Illinois and not Wisconsin, are we allowed to start calling him brought by Lemma at some point? I think that, yeah, yes, fine. I'll allow that. Approved. <laughs> Approved. Okay. Now it's time to wash this bad taste out of our mouth and go to Saturday. Uh, Oklahoma, Texas. Neutral site. Dallas. Early game. Texas minus five. Total 60 and a half. That line's went down two points this week. Um, well, obviously, Texas with the big win over Alabama. They've taken care of business in all the other games. Uh, normally, uh, they have some games where they don't show up, but that hasn't been the case this year. They've beaten everybody pretty handily. Oklahoma's a quiet 5-0. and um, Haven't really played the stiffest of competition. They've blown out some terrible teams. 
They played a weird low-scoring game on the road at Cincinnati. Really massive game uh, for a couple different reasons. One, if you look at the remaining schedules for both of these teams, they're ridiculously easy. Whoever wins this game is probably going undefeated, um, at least in the regular season. So, um, you know, playoff is very likely from one of these two teams. Although I still feel like whoever wins is going to blow a game somehow. Um, Oklahoma obviously tried to rebound after a bad last year, uh, Venables year two. And Sark is trying to finally turn Texas around and make them into a national powerhouse. So there's a lot on the line in this game. Um, I haven't watched a lot of Oklahoma, uh, just bits and pieces. Actually, the Cincinnati game is the only game I really watched. Um, Dylan Gabriel, a quarterback, he's like 26 years old, I'm pretty sure at this point. But, um, you know, I think Texas has more talent than Oklahoma. Um, I'm not sure of the outcome, but even though people online seem to like the under, I don't. Um, I still think over 60 and a half. I don't think you've ever been an under in this game. We've seen some wild 48-45 type shit in this game. I think Texas can score uh, 40. I think uh, Oklahoma can get in the 30. So anyway, I like the over, but not really confident in any picks. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, this is a, a really interesting one, Dan. Uh, I do like the over. I'll start with that. That's the easy play. I think that is the right play. I think what this game's going to come down to, and it's it's kind of weird to say this in 2023, especially the, you know, the way the game is played, and what we think of when we think Oklahoma, you know, all these Heisman quarterbacks. But the best Oklahoma teams, to, even if they have the Heisman quarterbacks, could still run the shit out of the ball. And that's where I think the difference in this game is. I think Texas has a really underrated running game. They're averaging like almost 200 yards rushing a game. So I think that that's where the big advantage is. I think they stop the run better as well. So I think this game's gonna, still going to go over, but I think that's going to be the key to this game. I think Texas can run the ball better, and I think they can stop the run better. Tom, what do you think? Yeah, man, you just kind of took the words right out of my mouth. Um, Texas, obviously, with Bijan going pro, you know, people have kind of slept on their run game, and um, they're they're solid, and Oklahoma as well, and um, Venable's, he, they are doing what we thought Clemson was going to do this year, which is having sort of a down year last year and then like bouncing back to the top 10 um, borderline elite status. It's been quite a turnaround and I've seen a little bit of Oklahoma and they look like a totally different team than last year. I, I have them as like a sneaky top 10 team and I think this game is going to be very competitive. I, I guess I would have to pick Texas just because they seem to have a little more talent and um, it, it's close though. It's really close. And so if you're giving me five points, I'm going to take the points because I think there's about a, you know, 70, 30 chance uh, Texas wins versus Oklahoma wins outright. And then, you know, I, I think it's at least 50, 50 or greater that Oklahoma can at least cover the spread. So I also like a high scoring game, probably in the high thirties or low forties and um, probably like a three, four point game. So give me the points, give me the over, and this is going to be very, very good. Yeah, definitely looking forward to watching this one. Okay, let's continue on. Uh, Maryland, Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State minus 20, total 57. God, I wish this game was in Maryland, but it's not. Tom, go ahead. You said it. If this game was in Maryland, this would be a very, very sneaky pick. A game, one of those games where Ohio State struggles for three quarters and then kind of puts it away and wins by like 14 at the very end. But the fact that it's in Columbus, the crowd's going to be hyped now that they're ranked. I don't even know what they're ranked now, but they think of themselves now as like a title contender after that Notre Dame game. And so I just don't think Maryland's going to be able to score enough points to hang in this. So I think Ohio State starts a little slow on offense but their defense will be stout the whole game. And I think they probably end up winning like 30 to 30 to 13, 30 to 10, something like that. So you got to go Ohio state, uh, much as I don't like it, but Ohio state, Penn state, two more weeks, get ready. Right. Ryan. 
don't be fooled by that low-scoring Ohio State-Notre Dame game. This game's going over. Maryland can score. And Maryland, I think this is probably the first time since, God, that I can remember that Maryland's going to go into this game actually thinking that they can win this game. I know it's 20-point spread and it's, you know, oh, if it was six and a half, maybe, you know, that would be the case. They legitimately do actually have a little bit of swagger. I like the way that Maryland's playing. I'm going to go ahead and take the points in this spot. I, I just think that's a lot of points. I don't think this Ohio State team is that explosive. I Give me give me Maryland in the points. I like the over as well. Um, I think uh, Tua Jr. can put up points. I think Harrison and uh, Buka are going to put up numbers. And they still got Travion Henderson. I feel like if they just give him the ball 20 times, he gets 165 and three touchdowns. Um, so yeah, over, um, and maybe a little bit on the Maryland first half. If I can get that at like plus 13 or so, I think, uh, I think you could be looking at like Ohio state winning like 20 to 10 at half or 20 to 13 or something like that. But, uh, I hit a couple of good first halves last week and I might try to keep it going again this week, but we'll see. I do like Game that. The Ma- yeah. The Maryland first half is appealing. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another 9 a.m. game. Third one. Um, there's some good early action. Um, and by 9 a.m., that's Pacific, of course. 6 a.m. Hawaii. Uh, now, that, LSU, now that the Pac-12 is the best conference, we go by your time. Thank you. I think that's fair. Uh, LSU at Missouri. Um, LSU minus four. Total 65. LSU three and two. Missouri five and oh. This is... Um, the game that LSU has to win to save the season. Not that it's, you know, going to go as well as they had hoped, but, um, you know, they can't start three and three Missouri under the radar five and oh, I know nothing about them. I know they have Eli Drinkwitz, but have not paid attention to any games. Ryan, do you have any feel at all on this? Not really. I've been actually super down on Missouri, but they keep winning games and, and obviously their schedule has been pretty, pretty weak to this point. Um, I don't think they've played anybody really at all. I mean, they had a close win against Memphis. Um, Memphis did cover, I believe. It was a seven-point uh, win. Nothing too impressive. Beat Kansas State by three. Beat Middle Tennessee State by four. I just I don't see it. I think this is the get-right game for LSU. If they care at all, then they will blow the doors off of Missouri. If they've completely quit on Brian Kelly, then this might be a game that uh, goes back and forth a little bit, maybe 33-30 type of game. But in my opinion, I think LSU blows them out. I think this is probably going to be about, let's go ahead and call this 45-31, 45-20, something like that. It's going to be a good game from for LSU. Yeah, as much as I'd like to do it, and uh, I just can't for reasons Ryan said. So I think LSU probably gets it done. But I just want to take a moment and read Missouri's schedule because they they may be the cues of 2023, starting 5-0. and And then they have LSU next week at Kentucky, then South Carolina, at Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, at Arkansas. So this team could be 5-7 and seven at the end of the year. Well, we'll find out. I I mean, I think they'll probably win one or two of those, but uh, savor the flavor, Tigers fans, while you're 5-0. Enjoy it. Enjoy being ranked because it's coming crashing down soon. I'm going to take Missouri in this game. If I have a chance to root against Brian Kelly to go down in flames, I'm going to do it. Even if it's a small bet, I will do that gladly and hope that he loses. So that's all I got to say about that. Did you guys see that they, um, the SEC or maybe the NCAA instituted a new rule about like photography with recruits and basically they're calling it the Brian Kelly rule that, you know, what he did in the dancing videos is now illegal. Yeah. So such a, such a bad dancer and social media guy that they had to make it illegal. He's the fucking worst. All right, let's move on. Um, 1230 time. Batek at Florida State. Florida State 
ranked fifth, undefeated. Couple shady, questionable wins in there, but they're wins nonetheless. These are games that Florida State lost in years past. Uh, FSU minus 24, total 53. I will start this one. One of my favorite bets of the whole week, over 53. Um, Tha Tech, sneaky, got rid of Grant Wells at quarterback and went to their other dude who is like, I don't want to exaggerate, but he looked a lot like Cam Newton last week against Pitt. Uh, He got the start. They put up 38 points against Pitt. He's a big dude who can run and strong arm. We've seen Florida State give up points to other mobile quarterbacks like Boston College. Fun fact, Florida State's given up the fifth most yards to running running quarterbacks on the year, and that includes playing uh, Southern Miss that ran for zero yards in the game with their quarterback. So they have some issues with uh, mobile quarterbacks. So I think Vatek's going to score some points is what I'm trying to say here. And I know Florida State will score points at home. So 53, I think uh, Florida State gets in the 30s or 40s, and Vatek, I think actually gets in the 20s or 30s. So uh, big fan of this over 53 in this game. Um, Steve or Ryan, do you have any thoughts? Jump in if you'd like. Uh, Florida State, after two underwhelming road games in a row at BC at Clemson, now they're looking at a schedule that has them home for Vodtech, home for Syracuse, home for Duke. Three home games in a row. This is where Florida State reminds everybody and puts up the style points that are required. Um, Duke will be without Riley Leonard. It's still most likely at that point. So this is where I think Florida State goes ahead and just starts running up some scores. Vatek will get a little bit, but I think Florida State blows them out, lay the points, and take the over. Hook it. Okay, let's move on. Alabama at Texas A&M. Bama minus one, total 46. Wow. Well, we got a lot of points here for home field, clearly. Okay, so I would say neutral field, they're saying Bama minus Five, and if it's at Alabama, Bama minus seven to nine, somewhere in that range. Um, I think Alabama's been a little bit under the radar. I think they've played a lot better the last couple weeks. They're getting more physical. They're running. They're actually calling running plays for their quarterback. They're doing what we talk. what we said before and after the Texas game. Run the damn ball. They're doing it, Dan. Yeah, and they're and they still have a very very good defense. So. Look, it's rare that you get Alabama minus one in any game, let alone against Jimbo Fisher. If you're going to go down, go down with Saban and Alabama. I mean, if if A&M wins, so be it. But I'm betting Alabama, and I don't give two flying fucks. Um, Yeah, Ryan, go ahead. This is such a weird game. This is such a weird line. Vegas is trying to tell us something and I don't know if I like it or not. So I'm going to stay the hell away from this. If I had to pick a side though, yeah, yeah, I'm going to pick Nick Saban over Jimbo Fisher. This is just, this is really weird for me, but uh, yeah, I like Alabama here. See, I agree with your take, Dan, a hundred percent. This is an opportunity to hammer Alabama, a chance you're not going to get. They're running the ball. They're working with what they have. Obviously they're not a great Alabama team, I don't think this team's winning a national championship, but they are still mad at Jimbo. Anytime a team beats them within the last three years, they're out for revenge. So they're still mad about losing to them a couple of years ago. And I think they're going to go in and get it done. I actually think it'll be low scoring. I think something like a 23, 16 probably makes sense. But if it's only one, I'm taking Alabama all day. It's correct. You cannot, you cannot take Jimbo plus one and feel good about it under any circumstance. So uh, take Bama. All right, another 12-30 game. Syracuse, their midseason swoon looks like it is upon us. At North Carolina, UNC minus 9.5, total 59.5. Syracuse did not look good last week. Um, That's all I really have to say about that. North Carolina gets their uh, wide receiver back who was suspended all year and uh, he is cleared to play. So probably a nice little boost. Actually, the, I think the line went up a point and a half since that new news was broke earlier today. Uh, Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, I think you're all over that. Um, the play on this one is the over actually. I think 
59 and a half is a little bit low when you've got a Gene Chiggins defense. Syracuse can still score some points a little bit here and there. North Carolina is going to give up some yards, but North Carolina has got a, a brand new toy to play with. Max been going on every broadcast news station podcast he can go on. He was on the Ryan Rossillo podcast like three weeks ago. being like, we got to get this kid eligible. This is no fair. We, he needs to play. So he's got his new toy to play with. They're going to put up a whole bunch of points. They might cover this. They might get the over by themselves. I think North Carolina is going to score close to 50. Syracuse can get 20 or 30 themselves. So I love the over in this spot. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, 42-28 is the score in my head. So Syracuse will, again, it's Gene Chizik. Syracuse is going to get their points. So I think you might be looking at a 70-point game. Agree. Over. North Carolina. There's not much to say. Um, Okay. Z, real quick. Purdue at Iowa, 38 and a half. Talk to me. Well... Cade McNamara, this stud transfer who is going to save the program, is now out. So you're on your second string Iowa quarterback, but he actually looked better than Cade last week. So that's a problem. I assume things will revert to the norm. And if the guy couldn't win the starting job to begin with, that he has to be a step down, a little step down. And so the obvious play is the under. We know that. Iowa... I mean, they beat Michigan State. They needed a punt return to do it. So same old story. They find ways to score even though their offense can't. Um, I, I don't know. I think Purdue is going to get this one done. Obviously, the pick's the under. I think Purdue wins, uh, what do we want to say, 17-16? How's that sound? 2018? That sounds good to me and Brian because we have no thoughts on this game. I'll tell you that much right now. Purdue's Purdue's all right. I mean, they started the season slow. They're going through some changes. New quarterback, obviously, when you have Aiden O'Connell for 14 years, it takes an adjustment, but they're all right. I think they can win this one outright. Okay. All right, let's move on. Uh, Colorado travels to Arizona State. Colorado minus four, total 59 and a half. This is weird. Will you be um, going, Dan? No way. It's going to be like the last 100-degree day of the year. I'm done. I'm not going out. It's too early to go to this shit. Um, and no, I'm not. I'm, I'm glad I chose not to go to this game based on the heat because this is a 3.30 in the afternoon start. It's going to be hot as fuck out there. Um, Arizona State's no good. Don't be fooled by uh, the USC uh, performance. That was a kitchen sink game. Colorado's going to put up some points. Ryan, clarify this one a little bit for us. Yeah, this is going to go way over, like way, way over. Arizona State's not good, but they'll still score some points on this Colorado defense. Colorado's going to throw all over Arizona State, so the play in this game is the over. Colorado seems like the one auto-over bet team of the year. Now with the new rules and games are a little lower scoring, it's harder to get those overs. The overs haven't come down as much as we would have thought, but Colorado seems, and and the Pac-12 in general is the high-scoring league as usual, but Colorado seems like the one over lock. Maybe USC too. Both exciting offenses, terrible defenses. Over. Over as well. I agree. This one may not be an over. Kentucky at Georgia. Georgia minus 14 and a half, total 47 and a half. Before I start this one, what would you make a line right now with last year's Georgia team facing this year's Georgia team on a neutral field? Ryan, what's the spread? Stetson Bennett minus 10 and a half. Mm-hmm. Tom? 12. Yeah, I think it's like 17. I really do. Uh, I, I No, I'm not having I'm a joke. I just, no, I mean, I, they lost a lot, an absolute lot. This team, it feels like Georgia five years ago, not the last two. Like, very, very good. But I really just can't see this, see this team winning a national title. I, 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 
I'm almost positive that, that they're not that good. I, I just feel like they're actually like the 12th best team in the country and not even close to first. Um, that being said, they're playing Kentucky, who is not exactly a usual SEC power. 14 and a half with a struggling offense is a lot of points to cover. When this line came out, I was like, oh, Kentucky all day, all day. But I, I have serious cold feet taking this. It feels like 31-10 with a defensive score is very possible. I don't know what to do. I need some help. Ryan. Oh, well, if you want my opinion, I'm going to go ahead and say 21-17 Wildcats. Ooh, okay. I can get a golf clap this, for that one. This is the spot. This is the spot here. It's at home, which is nearly impossible to beat Georgia at in Georgia between the hedges. And this isn't exactly like you said, an explosive, dominant Kentucky program. But this is not an explosive, dominant Georgia program, offensively and defensively. They're not running the ball. They have basically two weapons on offense, and I just I like I like what Kentucky can do game plan wise. I'm going to take the points. I don't think I'd have the balls to actually pick the money line to put money on it, but I will definitely take the points here. Wow, see, I want to do it so bad, but I don't think I can. Uh, I'm also going to take the points. I like this Kentucky team a lot, and I agree. Totally agree about Georgia. My question is, if they're not the best team, who is? They're not even close to last year's Georgia. But then I look around the country and like USC has an awful defense. Washington needs to prove that they're consistent. Same with Oregon. They lose a close game every year. They look great, but they need to prove it. Michigan looks very good against inferior opponents. So there's a lot of teams out there right now in the mix, I think for the national championship more than in more than most years, but I can see why Georgia's still ranked number one. You know, they, they have the proven track record and it's just kind of a gut instinct. Like you said, that they're not as good. I think this is going to be the test. I mean, if they, if Kentucky goes in there and they shut them down and it ends up, you know, 41, 10 or, 37 13 or something then we got to take georgia once again seriously as the front runner for a national title but kentucky's got an opportunity a sneaky good kentucky team to go in there win the game or at least keep it very very close and i'm again gut instinct i'm just going to take the points with kentucky i don't think they're going to get it done though yeah, I'm going to take Kentucky just because I feel like it's the right side. If I go down, so be it. But I, I'm, I am going to back Kentucky. Nothing I can do. Uh, I want to go back. I missed the game. I scrolled too fast. My, my fault on that. Washington State at UCLA. Uh, UCLA at home, minus three, total 60 and a half. I'll take this one. Um, it could be a trap, and I don't care. Washington State's a better team than UCLA. Um, Cam Ward's underrated. Um, give me the three points all day, every day. Um, go Cougs. Ryan. You're going to get plus odds on the money line. That is so tasty. Throw that Washington State into a couple of different uh, bets. Throw that in there. It's going to get you some nice, some nice juice on that. That's a great play. Make it a three-four. Three-four. Uh, wrong team is favored. Should be Washington State minus three. Go Cougs, most underrated team in all of America right now. Wrong kid died. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> One of the best lines in movie history. Um, all right, let's go back uh, to the 430 West Coast slot. Notre Dame at Louisville. Notre Dame minus six and a half. Notre Dame, uh, got to give credit where credit's due. A couple of... Uh, Hard games in a row, the Ohio State game, then the at-Duke game. Now they go to Louisville. Louisville, sneaky, 5-0. and Don't know if they're any good whatsoever. Could be smoke and mirrors. Notre Dame minus 6.5, total 54. Tom, this is right up your alley. Go right ahead. What's the line again? Notre Dame minus 6.5, total 54. 
Ooh. Yeah, Louisville is right in that. They're in that Missouri and I guess Kentucky category of these teams might be good, but we don't really know yet. And I think we're going to find out very soon or this week. I think we're going to find out about all of them. I don't think they're as good as Kentucky, but I think they they're in that Missouri range. Like maybe this team's legit. Maybe they're a total fraud. I have no clue, but they're undefeated. Notre Dame's coming off two really hard fought games. Notre Dame. I was impressed with them. I know Riley Leonard uh, went down, but that was at the end of the game. That wasn't really the deciding factor. They, they did the opposite of what they did against Ohio state where they had the game won and they made a bunch of bad coaching decisions. Duke should have won that game and Notre Dame made a bunch of, you know, clutch plays and good decisions and, um, you know, snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. So you got to give it to them. You got to give it to, um, Sam Hartman and Freeman and everybody on the team and the running back whose name I forget that guy's a beast. So I think with um, their run game, they should be able to just kind of physically control Louisville. But again, these games have been close. Third tough game in a row. I think Louisville hangs in there. I actually think Notre Dame only wins this game by about um, three to four points. But I think it'll be one of those games where Notre Dame controls the game, but still barely wins, if if that makes sense. Ryan, thoughts? Pass. I have no feel for Louisville and I, I just can't read Notre Dame just yet. Same here. It's a total stay away. It's a weird game. Wouldn't be shocked with any outcome. All right, let's move on. Arkansas at Ole Miss. Ole Miss minus 11 and a half, total 62 and a half. Ryan. That's so many points in a, such a big letdown spot here after being a crazy game, beating LSU. And then just like, this is such a letdown spot here. And I've been riding Arkansas all year. I've been riding Lane all year. I think Ole Miss wins this game. We'll get that out of the way. But that is a lot of freaking points for this Ole Miss defense to not get backdoored. So this is stay away from me. I'll just, I'll, you know, Ole Miss money line. That's it. Z. No clue on this one. I thought this was going to be the your opinion is wrong game because I don't see how you make a solid pick and have confidence in it. So I got nothing, but Dan seems a little more confident. So what do you got? Uh, you, you, you've, you've, uh, you're correct. This is my favorite better the whole week. KJ Jefferson, Mr. Football in what state? Mississippi. This will be the last football game he plays in his entire life in the state of Mississippi. Sam Pittman's on the hot seat. Lane coming off the 10-year anniversary of the tarmac. Just beat LSU. Gave up a million points. This sounds like a kitchen sink game for KJ, Sam Pittman, everything. And this is where Ole Miss and Lane, as much as I love it, always fuck it up. Always. Give me Arkansas on the points. Give me Arkansas on the money line. Give me over 62 and a half. 44-37 Arkansas overtime winner. That's my pick of the week. Is it really the 10-year anniversary of the tarmac? It was last week, yeah. Was there, I didn't watch college game day. Was there like a emotional college game day segment about the tarmac and lane and all that? There's an article on ESPN.com talking about all the people involved. Like they talked to Clay Helton and like the different USC people in Lane and, and, and like how it all went down and some of the players and all that. So I'm sure they did something on game day with it too because it was a long article. But yeah, last week uh, we should have known that Ole Miss was going to beat LSU because of that article. And this just – this feels like the ultimate letdown, the absolute – Ultimate letdown. And let me just real quick while I'm at it. I just want to see who Ole Miss has after this. Okay. They're actually off the following week, which is usually trouble for a college football team a uh, week before a bye at home. So, yeah, this just feels weird. I know Arkansas has got a new offensive coordinator and everyone hates them and they want them fired. But uh, if I'm K.J. Jefferson, I'm bringing a 1,000% effort at home in front of family for the last time. Um, good spot, good uh, angle here for Arkansas. 
Okay, let's move on a little bit here. Uh, Georgia Tech at Miami. Miami minus 20, total 57 and a half. Is Miami underrated? Are they really good? Are they should they actually be like eight? Or, or, or like is it too early to know? I mean, I I don't know. I I I'm asking you guys. Is Miami any yeah. good? Do do you know yet? Yes, no, and y- yes, no, and yes are the answers to your questions. Yes, they're underrated. No, they should not be ranked eighth. Um, Penn State is ranked eighth now, and Miami's definitely not as good as Penn State. Um, but yes, they are good. I mean, they're going to be they're a formidable opponent. The thing is they've got a good defense and they play, they're finally playing the crystal ball way, you know, what Oregon was, or I guess Oregon still kind of is like that. So I don't expect a lot of blowouts from Miami unless they play teams like temple. They're not, they're just not built to blow teams out. So this might be too many points, but I would expect them to win for sure. I think they're going to win by about 13, you know, in a hard fought defensive run heavy game. Um, Cristobal's slowly turning things around. You know, it's going to take a couple more years till he, if he gets to the elite level till they're like an eighth ranked team, you know, that they're two years away from that, but vast improvement over last year. Awesome. Uh, Ryan, any thoughts on that at all? Um, no, yeah, I, I think I agree with Tom, um, for the most part, I, I definitely don't think they're a top 10 team. Um, just kind of looking at the rankings here: Oklahoma twelve, Washington State thirteen. Yeah, not they're that not good. better than those two. Nope. North Carolina fourteen, Ole Miss sixteen, Oregon State fifteen. They're in that range. They're you know you can move them up to yeah. fourteen. I'd say that's fair. I don't think they're as good as Washington State or Oklahoma at this point. But the one thing I will disagree with Tom about: I actually do think that uh, they cover this spread. This is a home game. Miami takes care of business at home. I'll take, I'll take, I'll take Miami here. Yeah, I'm going to take Miami too. They've they've covered uh, just about every game I think, and they've taken like even weird games like going to uh, fucking Philadelphia to play Temple. They blew them out. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I'm going to take Miami until further notice. Uh, last game I want to talk about, then you guys can jump in. Uh, Oregon State at Cal. Oregon State minus nine, total fifty one and a half. I'll take this one. Um, Oregon State lost at Washington State when Washington State spread them out and threw it over the field. Cal does not have that ability. Uh, This is a game where Oregon State smashes them. Um, Lay the nine confidently. I feel like they win this game by 17 to 30 points, and that's my pick on that one. Ryan, anything to add on that one? Yeah, this is just a pissed-off team that that knows they blew a game last week, so – they're going to come out. I think this is not a letdown spot. This is a revenge spot. I think they're going to come out, come out hot in this game. Z, any thoughts on that game? No, but uh, so you're done with your list. I mean, yep, I've got, go right ahead. I've got a couple others. I also noticed we have not done the tarmac report yet. So I'm trying to look for a game that could potentially set Ryan up and I'm not sure I know what it is. So, um, you know, let me go through quickly the undefeated, uh, center pride of New Jersey getting 13 against Wisconsin, a Wisconsin team still trying to find itself. I like Rutgers plus the points against Wisconsin. I love Toledo and their great young coach prospect for the Michigan state job minus 20 against UMass, who we just talked about being one of the worst teams in the world. If Butch Jones can come into central Massachusetts and win by 30, then Toledo, a great Mac team, sure can do the same. And it's only 20 in this case. So uh, Toledo and maybe even an over in that game as well. Let me scroll through and just, I'm just looking for the rest of the Big Ten to give some quick picks on those. So we covered a few. It's kind of a down week in the Big Ten. There's not a ton going on. Um, yeah, you know, there really isn't that much, um, just for the hell of it. UConn's getting 10 points at rice. UConn is zero and five. They got to do well at some point, Dan, I'm not saying they're going to win this game, but they got to cover this 10. Otherwise Mora should just start packing his bags and go golfing with Charles Barkley. You should do that regardless. They're friends. Apparently Charles has been texting him in 
you know, after these last couple tough losses, giving him a lot of advice. Is Jim Mora responsible for uh, the Vegas police arresting the Tupac killer? Apparently, according to him, he's known for like 10 years about this guy. And he's been talking about it more recently. He said this years ago. I mean, he's been, he's been claiming for a long time. He knew who Tupac's killer was from his UCLA days. And, uh, he talked about it again recently and then they arrested the guy. So you, I don't know if you're joking or not, but he may have at the very least, I'm not saying he handed over evidence to the cops, but he may have sparked interest, you know, the same way the uh, serial podcast led to a change in that case, you know, Jim Mora made have, might've cracked this case or at least inspired others to do that. So yes, I'm going to say yes. Solving the Tupac okay. murder, definitely the best thing Jim Mora Jr. has done this season. All right, Ryan, I'm at a loss. What games would yeah, you like to here. talk about? <laughs> well, gentlemen, unfortunately this week, uh, the tarmac is in a weird spot because there are no power five coaches on the tarmac this week. Going through, it was just a lot of, a lot of, group of five low level coaches that needed to be called out. So we didn't get to those this week, but I'm going to go ahead and throw you a quick tarmac. Anyways, we'll just knock this out. Does, is one of them from the state of Ohio, Ryan? Yes, he is. All right. All right, go ahead. And he's also a former big 10. I know back. this one's going to hurt my, my soul, but I could, set, I could set you up if you want. That's okay, Tom. We'll just get right into it because I got some things to say. Number five, we're going to get right into this. There's one thing that will almost always land a coach on the tarmac, and that is one thing. That is being a complete and total asshole to your assistant coaches and showing them up in front of your team so they have no credibility in the meeting room the next day. When they go in and they're like, hey, you need you to hit this hole harder. Hey, I need you to not get screamed at by a coach on national TV. So Trent Dilfer, the crier, the Mr. I'm Mr. Sensitive. I'm Mr. Cry at Elite 11 every year, screaming like a raging lunatic at your assistant coach, running out on the field and charging at him is absolutely unacceptable. Dilfer, it's your first year, but your team sucks. You are making zero progress. You're ruining the legend of Bill Clark, a staple on Take the Points. Dilfer, go back to the booth. Go back to Elite 11 and crying with teenage boys. That seems what you like to do. Number four, Tom. I'm sorry to do this to you, Tom. But Kent State is as bad as the Mac. The bottom half of the Mac is atrocious, but this is as bad as it gets. Kenny Burns, I'm so sorry. Former Indiana running back. But dude, you are an offensive player. You're supposed to be an offensive coach. You've scored 63 points on the year and given up 170. 63 and 170. Usually when we see these young offensive coaches, they're getting blown. They're they're losing games 40 to 50 but this is just embarrassing. They can't score. That's actually, that's not the, um, that's not the Mac coach formerly in the big 10 that I thought we were going with, but I do agree with that pick. Thanks Tom. All right. Coming at number three, we're going out to the West. He was on it last week and he still remains. Ken Wilson, Nevada, Owen five. They're really, really bad. They're still getting, you can still get them at like good prices too. You can bet you can still fade them hard. Those lines have not gotten ridiculous yet. Number two, Butch, you are here. Two. But guess what, Butch? You dropped down to two. You beat UMass, so you're not number one. And there's a reason because number one lost to Butch Jones. <laughs> Not UMass, 
I'm talking about Will Hall at Southern Miss. I know Southern Miss has some other issues going on. I know Favre's got to go testify under oath uh, either this week or he just did. There's a lot of stuff going on there. But you lost 44-37 to Butch Jones. You gave up 44 to Butch Jones. And what did they do after that? They gave up 50 to Texas State. So you gave up 94 points in the last two weeks to Arkansas State and Texas State. It would be embarrassing if you gave up those totals to Arkansas and Texas, let alone Arkansas State, Texas State. So Will Hall, congratulations. You are number one on the tarmac this week. Ryan, since we're basically at the end of the show, yeah, well done. Very well done. And the depth of research on the tarmac, I've been saying this for years, but this is the best. I I legitimately think this is the best segment, the most in-depth and thoughtful segment about coaching in all of media, if you consider us media, which of course I don't. But like, I never hear anything on ESPN or Fox Sports or whatever that's like really talking about this level of coaching in any kind of detail or any seriousness. So, uh, a, a serious congratulations. And then you're obviously funnier than, you know, Matt Liner or whoever's talking about this stuff. So I, I have Thanks, some follow up questions that are kind of like, um, you know, mid season, uh, early mid season coaching check-in type questions. So first one is about Matt rule. Obviously it's too early to put a guy on a tarmac. Although, you know, Willie Taggart's been on there. Um, what kind of grace period are you giving him in Nebraska? And let me add, like, what would you want to see knowing they're not going to go to the playoff or probably even make a bowl this season? Like, what would you want to see out of him to know that it's at least going in the right direction? Uh, I want to see him. Well, two things. One, you're only safe from the tarmac through like mid November max. Dilfer's in his first year and he had assholes on it already. No, but we so mentioned, we mentioned Dilfer at the end of last year. He was on Correct. the sideline of a game. He wasn't even officially the coach yet. And you were like, it's coming. Get ready. Well, he made it five games into his coaching career before he ended up on the tarmac. Good for you. Um, rule. There, there's kind of one thing I'm looking at in season and then two things I'm looking at po- kind of as the season wraps up and the, the, the end of the season. So one, just looking for progress. Is he developing an identity one way or the other? Are they going to be defensive? Are they going to run the ball? Are they going to spread it out? Are they going to do a little bit of this pro style? I just want him to kind of have an identity and just, you know, give him a little time to figure that out. While that's going on, I'm obviously watching recruiting that's the key for me more than anything is just kind of seeing who Nebraska's got. The portal is going to be big for a school like them, but definitely watching the recruiting. And then at the end, after the season's over, what I'm looking at is where were they good? Where were they bad? And what's he doing on the staff to deal with that? Because we know about personnel recruiting all that portal but what's he doing on the staff? If they're a shitty running team and he keeps his running back coach and his offensive line coach, then that's a problem for me. And that, that tells me he's got no control, no power, and he's probably going to fail. But if he looks at the team at the end of the season, he's like, look, these are the two, three things we suck the most at. We're going to get rid of those coaches and bring in people who can do it better. That's kind of what I'm looking at. So in the season, building an identity, doing some recruiting, end of the season, what does he do with the staff and how does he address those things? All right. Next, I guess, negative question. And then I want to focus on some positive stuff to end the, to end the show. Uh, Boise state underperforming in my mind, Andy Avalos, the coach doesn't seem to be carrying on the legacy of, uh, you know, recent years. Are you watching him or, you know, who else is kind of like just barely on your radar as like the tarmac watch list. Who's not on there yet. Boise's fine. They're, they're, they're fine. Don't worry about Boise. Not concerned at this point. They, they had so much Hank Bachmeyer stink on them. It's going to take, it's going to take a full season to get that out of them and kind of recalibrate. Not concerned. Boise's going to be okay. Is there anybody else um, you're, you're watching 
who's got like a, you know, a yellow light or like a red flag, who's not on the tarmac, but you think might be making an appearance sometime in the next month? Oh, there's many, many guys that are kind of getting there. Uh, we mentioned Brat Bilemma earlier. He's on that watch list for sure. Um, a thing about him is last year, you know, he went off the tarmac. He was doing well. And I said, he's the first ever person to escape the tarmac. And you said something to the effect of, um, you, like you never escape. You just delay the inevitable. <laughs> Correct. So, you know, that's one I'm keeping an eye on that whole, the whole bottom half of the Mac is looking pretty disastrous. So that's kind of what I'm looking right now. We love those washed up Mac predictions. So I'm keeping an eye on the bottom of the Mac and kind of trying to figure out who might be those, those fits to go to those Kent state, Northern Illinois, Bowling green, Akron, those types of places. Yeah. Uh, Akron is where I thought you were going earlier in Jill Moorhead. You got to watch out for him. He was on it last year and he's just a little bit delayed right now. All right. So uh, let's end on a positive note. So um, what young coaches or, you know, coaches in their say second or third year have impressed you this year and you think are on the upswing? Um, I mean, well, number one is prime. You got to say prime is the number one story in, in all of college football. Um, I like what um, I like what Memphis is doing again. I really do. I think they're doing some really good things. They're fun to watch. Uh, you mentioned Cristobal at Miami's doing a nice job there so far. I'd say number one for me is Lance Leopold, Kansas. That's the number one most impressive from the University of Buffalo. God, look how bad Buffalo is too. They're freaking terrible. Also speaking of bottom half of the Mac, but I'm getting, I'm giving them a grace period because of how good Lance Leopold has been in Kansas. I think that gives Buffalo a little bit more leeway because it's such a drastic loss. Like you're never really sure how big of the loss was. That's a massive loss because Leopold, he can coach that guy can coach and he's going to be somewhere bigger than Kansas sooner than later. Michigan State with Jalen Daniels next year. Ooh, Dan. Interesting. Uh, any thoughts on coaching or uh, teams? Oh, Ryan, you got one more? Yeah, one more. Speaking of Michigan State, I'm putting Urban Meyer on the watch list right now for the tarmac, oh too. That asshole is a Spartan. That asshole will get fired quick. Let's go. He says no. He says he's not doing it. But they've been tracking his charter jet. He can't be trusted. Yeah, no, cannot be. Trusted. Yeah, oh, you don't, you don't take the word of Swamp King <laughs> Urban Meyer. No, no, I don't. I mean, if he's gonna like go fuck up another place, I love that it's another Big Ten East school. So that's as a Penn State fan, that's great. All right, Dan, what are your final thoughts, Ryan? I, I will let you know that I'm uh, near close to finishing Ted Lasso. So we can talk about that in an upcoming week. I got like two more episodes left in the third season. Um, I did a four team teaser and I want you guys to see if this is coming in or not. All right. This is a four way tease plus one eighty. It pays Alabama plus seven and a half yes. North Carolina pick them. Yes. Oregon State Pickham. Who are they playing? At Cal. Yep. We'll take care okay. of that. And then Washington State plus 12 and a half. Yes. So Ooh. Syracuse like is the right. Syracuse is the one who could fuck that up for you. Or Oregon State could lose. I would put, you know, I always like to look at like who's gonna screw this up for me. And Syracuse is the one I would look at. Oregon State second. But that's pretty good. You know, you got to, you're never going to get one that's automatic. There's always going to be some kind of risk. So yeah, there'll be, I think your odds are one of those good. four games will be weird. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, anyway. you, I think you got to watch that North Carolina Syracuse game and maybe sweat that one out. And I mean, right. Wazoo plus 12 seems great. And Alabama, um, seven and a half, seven and a half seems great too. Which means if somehow it goes to overtime, 
I'm in good shape. Um, Locked in. Yeah, um, I've, I I almost never do teasers. They're like two a year, but I felt like firing one, and that was the best one I could come up with. So I don't know. We'll see. Good. All right, Ryan, any other closing words? No. no I'm just uh, excited to see how things are going here and um, excited for the weather to cool down, get to some Pac-12 games. Yeah, the schedule this week's this week's all right, but the schedule ramps up pretty quickly in the coming weeks. Yeah. And this, oh man, this season's shaping up to be good. I don't remember. I know we're only five weeks in, but usually at this time, you know, the three of us and people who watch college football can kind of start to narrow the pack of who's actually got a chance at a championship and who's actually got a chance at a playoff. We were calling TCU as our sleeper for a playoff spot last year, right around this time, we were saying like, this might be a playoff team this year. I can't make any like such prediction because there's still so many teams in the mix. I feel like there's 15, 16 teams that have a legitimate shot at that playoff right now. So it's great. A lot more to come and a real football heavy episode this week. All killer, no filler, no nonsense, no X files, no nothing. It's not too late. Uh, we'll wrap it up and then we'll probably do a all X-Files episode coming up in the future. So, all right. Good. Thanks everybody for listening. See you next week. That's the point. That's the point. That's the point. That's the point.